Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Hey, friends, it's Danielle. Do you want to support this podcast and check out the new book? Audible is offering YA Cafe listeners a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Elizabeth Acevedo narrates the audiobook for With the Fire on High, so it's truly an incredible listening experience. We had the opportunity to hear her read at the PDX Book Fest, and I could listen to her all day long. And now, you can too. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash YA Cafe. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the new novel yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. And our guest today returning to the show is Bookstagrammer Anna from Never Without a Book. Hi, Anna. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is a book where no children die. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's been a minute for that. Yeah. Right? Great job, us. I feel like every time we invite Anna, we're like, Anna, come talk about being sad. <laughs> right. I <laughs> get all the sad books. Yes, but not today. <laughs> Since getting pregnant at 14, Imani has done everything she could for her daughter and her abuela. Between being a full-time mom and a full-time student, Imani doesn't have time to think about her future. She loves cooking, and people say her food is magic, but can she really squeeze in more school? Shouldn't she get a job instead? When her school offers a culinary elective with an immersion trip to Spain in the spring, it feels like a dream to Amani. Can she find a way to let her talent shine and still keep her family afloat? We'll find out. Danielle, what did you think? I mean, I loved it. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so first of all, I feel like I should say, The Poet X is an amazing book. Mm -hmm. It was Elizabeth Acevedo's first novel. She won the National Book Award for it. It is a book in verse. I love poetry. I loved the poetex. I thought this one would be in verse because Elizabeth Acevedo is such a talented poet. It wasn't in verse, but it was still hugely poetic. And I just loved it so much. Like I'm smiling so much right now. How about you, Anna? I know you were really looking forward to this one. Yes, I actually agree with you. I thought this book was going to be in verse as well. And it was just a surprise that it wasn't. But either way, it still worked out. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I agree. I also loved it. So clearly, we're not going to be doing too much fighting on this episode. <laughs> uh, I just thought that her writing was so wonderful. It reads like so effortlessly, still with this very lyrical touch but in a very easy way that just feels like you are sitting down and having a conversation with Imani about her life and just getting this insight into her world. And like her story and her writing is so perfect. And she's such a strong character. Like she's so mature and she fights for herself and she fights for her family. I love her. I definitely agree with you on her maturity. There are a lot of times where Imani gets, you know, sass thrown at her by various lousy characters, and she just takes the high road every time. And I just like, I don't know how you do that. How do you just take the high road when people are lousy to you? <laughs> and I like, you know, the moments when she does stand up for herself, but where she just 
you know, focuses her energy on what's best for her daughter, what's best for her family. That is always her barometer of what her reaction should be is, how is this going to affect my daughter? And I was just very impressed by her. And I knew that we would be talking to Anna about this book. And Anna has a daughter, which we don't. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect Elizabeth to write about teen pregnancy. I, I don't read a whole lot of YA. So when I read that this young girl is, she had to grow up really fast, 14 years old, having a baby. And I mean, she's doing the adult thing. She's got a job. She's staying in school. I don't know. This book just really shocked me. That, I, maybe that's why I really love this so much. Yeah, I was surprised too. I feel like I read stuff where the story is the pregnancy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the hurdle to overcome is being pregnant and being a teenager or like finding out you're pregnant and deciding to end the pregnancy. But in this novel, Imani chose to have the baby and she is fiercely proud of Emma. And like Amanda said, you know, sometimes there's sass thrown at her and there's opportunities for her to maybe deny the fact that she has a baby or feel resentful of the baby and she is like no I love this child and she is absolutely a part of my life and I'm not going to hide that or be ashamed of that Mm -hmm. I loved that we should talk about some other characters because there are some (laughs) well we can talk some about the general lousiness of guys in Imani's life Yeah, she is raised by her abuela because her father left after her mother died. Just didn't want to take care of her. Didn't want to live this life. Went back to Puerto Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah. And in addition to her absent father, her child has a quasi absent father. He has some visitation, but it's not a lot. I thought that her relationship with her father was really interesting And I thought also Tyrone's character was interesting because both of them are aggressively mediocre parents. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) they are doing that bare little minimum that means that society thinks they're like pretty decent dads. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that Tyrone sees his daughter every other weekend and according to the rules of our world, that makes him a stand up guy with regards to this baby is telling he came across as the typical he's in his daughter's life just enough to call himself a dad that's yeah i think that's what it is right like yeah he just is checking the box yeah 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 i was really fascinated by imani's father because he is not a bad dude he is a bad father Like, in Puerto Rico, he's, like, a community organizer, and he supports people, and he raises money for, you know, kids' basketball teams to have uniforms and, like, all of these things and, like, you know, recovery after the storm, and he's just really focused on the island. And we have the sense that, like, Puerto Rico is getting this dude's best self, and there is not anything left for Imani. Yeah, I agree. And... I really just don't understand. I mean, obviously you understand because people make selfish choices, but he and Amani's abuela talk about how he's so connected to and loves the island. He could never stay in Philadelphia, blah, blah, blah. But there's no rule that Amani had to stay in Philadelphia. Right. If he wanted to be a father and didn't want to live in Philly, there's a pretty clear option here. Yeah, I thought he was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the island is his child. 
he'll do everything for the island. He'll support mm-hmm. the people, gather, you know, do all this stuff for them. But his own flesh and blood, he can't deal. He can't hang. And to me, that's just a deadbeat dad. So, Yeah. Amani's mother died in childbirth. And, you know, there's the whole like, well, maybe he's just sad that his wife died. And I'm like, yeah, but like you're a kid. Right. She didn't ask to be here. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like maybe if there was a little bit more backstory, I could judge him better. Not that I judge people, but... Oh, I judge people. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Anna, do you mean you could have been, like, more on his side if there had been more backstory? Maybe more sympathy, because his wife dies while giving birth to their child. So maybe he's blaming her for his wife's death? Mm. Like a Tywin Tyrion situation? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, maybe that's why he can't connect with her. That's why he's okay to go to Puerto Rico and leave her with her grandmother. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, I think like it was obviously a very intentional crafting because he has the capacity to be supportive, just not to Imani. I loved that aspect. It wasn't like a deadbeat dad that, you know, is deadbeaten around. Like he's a, a good dude just not in her family. Well, I think the most telling descriptions for me were the times when Amani was talking about when Julio, her her father, is in town and talks about him filling up the space in the house and filling up space in her heart and being present and being wonderful when he's there. And then when he's gone, there are all these new holes where he was. I thought that was so beautiful and so well said about the way that some people can just like carve out space inside you and then leave. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's so sad. What's sad? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we also have Abuela, or who's just Buela in this novel. And like we said, Amani's father lives in Puerto Rico. So Abuela is from Puerto Rico. And so Amani has family in North Carolina on her mother's side, and then in Puerto Rico. And one of the things that I thought was really cool about this book, besides like reminiscing about Puerto Rican cuisine, was the conversations about race and culture and like people assuming things about Amani based on her name and like her level of speaking Spanish. I thought that that was really interesting. What did you think about that, Anna? I'd have to agree with you. I mean... I'm Haitian American, so I kind of I understood when her grandmother was saying that because I've had that happen to me and my siblings. So for me, I like that part. I really liked the sense of place I got in Philly. So I don't know if it said it on the first couple pages or not where we actually were. But then somebody addresses something as John and I was like, oh, I guess we're in Philly. (laughs) So in addition to having lived in Puerto Rico, we also lived in Philadelphia. So this was like, (laughs) yeah. So I thought her sense of Philly was really good. Yeah. They mentioned things that are real, like Temple and Drexel and water ice, which is really like the thing. Yeah. The water ice was another one where I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was all foreign to me. I was like, where? (laughs) Maybe she went to Philly and had water ice and was like, I was going to say. And heard somebody say John and was like, what is this word? What does it mean? And they said, it means literally everything. And she was like, okay. So I had never, ever seen that word uh, written down before. So, you know, when you hear it, you think like John the name, but it's J-A-W-N. Yeah. And it stands Mm -hmm. for like anything, like 
Hand me that John over there. Like, it basically just means, like, thing. Thingamabob. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Have you guys read, like, Water for Chocolate? I haven't. Classic. Tell us about it. Well, like, Water for Chocolate, like, in each chapter, it starts with a recipe. Oh. Yeah, so that, I got that vibe from this book. I was like, ooh, I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. We should talk about the food, because I think the food is done so well yes. in this book. Anna, do you yes. cook? I, uh, yeah, because <laughs> I have to, but I'm no chef, that's for sure. <laughs> Do you have like a culinary tradition in your family? Um, rice and beans, fried plantains, that's the Haitian thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, it's whatever's quick. <laughs> this book definitely, like, I wanted to try some of these recipes, like this very first one, which is called Imani's When Life Gives You Lemons, Make Lemon Verbena Templeque recipe. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I really want to try that. Like, even strawberry milk. And I don't even like milk. <laughs> well, if you feel so led to make any of them, I will sacrifice myself as the <laughs> taste tester to let you know if I feel magic from it. So <laughs> you should start now. We'll make that happen. More about food and magic and memory and other stuff when we come back. We're going to take our first break, then we'll share about things we like a latte, and we'll return to our discussion of With the Fire on High and Dig a Little Deeper. Hey y'all, are you looking for an easy way to support this podcast? Order our book choices through the affiliate link in our show notes. You'll be supporting our authors and making sure we get a small kickback to keep our show going. Next episode, we'll be discussing These Witches Don't Burn by Isabel Sterling, and we'll be joined by author and editor Jessica Spotswood. If you'd like to help us keep bringing you great content, order through the link in our show notes. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? I'm going to anticipate a thing I like a latte that's happening this weekend. But what if it sucks, though? It's going to be awesome. You don't know that. I do know that. So this weekend, I am going to Y'all West, which is the West Coast equivalent of Y'all Fest. And it's a book con. I'm going to see lots of awesome people. Like Angie Thomas and Samaya Dowd, who is on this podcast. Samaya Dowd. Yeah. Um, Tommy Yediemi. And I'm going to see Claire, who joined us for The Forest Queen and Stay Sweet. And Claire and I, she probably doesn't know this yet, are going to go to The Salt and Straw, which is the ice cream place that inspired the ice cream flavor in Stay Sweet. Basically, it's a whole YA Cafe podcast thing. That sounds great. I hope it's wonderful for you. I'll eat some ice cream on your behalf. Thank you. I'll be here. Ice creamless. <laughs> <laughs> so come June 1st, I believe it's June 1st, I'm heading to New York for the first time ever in life. And I'm going to attend BookCon for the weekend. Yay! So I'm excited. That's going to be so great. Yes. So I got my bags packed. I got my money ready. You have an empty suitcase for all the books you're going to get? Yeah. My daughter thinks I'm weird. I was like, no, you got to understand. Priority is my books. So I got a suitcase ready for that. Yeah. (laughs) How about you, Anna? What's your brew of choice? 
currently I just tapped into a new show called American Gods. And I've been binge watching for the past two days. So I haven't read a book in two days, but <laughs> I am loving this show. Like it's sucked me in, like can't get enough. Nice. And it's based on a book. So that counts, right? Yeah, that yes. counts as reading. Pretty sure. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Amanda? What's your brew of choice? Is it the espresso maker we just bought? Uh, no. Oh. oh, but that would have been good, though. So this is a show that I think I have talked about on the podcast before because I love it unreasonably and I want to snuggle it and stay inside it forever. It's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Season four, the final season, just dropped on Netflix and I watched it all and it's just perfect and heartbreaking and I love all of these characters and I feel so warmly towards everyone who is involved in making this wonderful little show. Now that it's done, if you are a person who doesn't like to start things until they're finished because you got burned by Firefly or <laughs> Winds of Winter or whatever it may be, this show is such a delight. It's a musical comedy aired on the CW and it's all on Netflix streaming. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love it so much. We are going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on With the Fire on High. The rest of the show will contain spoilers. So if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back. Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> so, jumping into our spoilers, you wrote down Chef Aiden, the culinary class chef, about how strict he is. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, so, I mean, we didn't really talk about this at all in the spoiler free section i mean we kind of we mentioned the recipes and the food thing but food is like really central to this novel and she takes this class and it has the immersion trip in the spring i mean i guess we said that in the summary um i really enjoyed this because imani kind of cooks from instinct and like her hands are drawn to various spices and her abuela calls it magic and her friends call it magic and she doesn't call it magic, but she tries things and she learns through doing. And so when she comes into this cooking class, like she's super excited to have outside validation. And basically the first thing the chef does is like, no, you must follow the recipe. I can't grade you on your creativity. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. I mean, because if she wanted to be like a successful restaurant owner, that's very different from being a very good cook, you know? Yeah. Um. So I thought it was good to kind of force her to learn this new language of cooking. Right. I think that, you know, with that structure, it helps her. Definitely. I mean, it definitely helps be... her with like food safety and all that stuff. So that's not necessarily a thing that can be instinctual. Right. So this is probably the only book we've read on the YA Cafe podcast that I would not be annoyed if it was billed to me as magical realism. And it wasn't. <laughs> Because it really is like there's this one magical element in the book that just like brushes against the edge of reality where Amani's food makes people cry, like makes them have these memories that are unrelated to like a food memory. And it was a really beautiful detail. 
I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it definitely gave me the um, like water for chocolate vibe because that's how it was in that book as well. The food gave people emotions. Well, that is cool. I'm going to have to check out this book. Mm-hmm. I like food books. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite classics. And of course, there's a movie, so it's definitely worth the read. Is the movie Chocolate or is that a different thing? That's a different thing. So then they take this trip to Spain and like I liked that this happened. So I was surprised that this book covered the whole school year. It was quite ambitious in terms of timeline. Yeah. And so, you know, like she actually gets to go to Spain. The immersion program is super cool where they all had like a cook that they could like apprentice for. Very immersive. Yeah. I'm like, huh, I need to like teach foreign language and like think of a cool immersion program like this. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about the boy? Yep. If we must. <laughs> <laughs> Before we talk about the boy, which I think we must, uh, there is a queer character in this novel. It is Angelica, her best friend. Angelica mm-hmm. was super cool. Love her. Yeah, she was great. She was a good YA best friend TM. Yes. Oh, see, I thought she really transcended the TM. Oh, I do not think she transcended the TM. But I liked Mm -hmm. her, and I liked her friendship with Imani. Mm -hmm. But she had no personal arc. She had no, like, change or development as a character. Mm -hmm. She had no real relationships outside of Imani. She had Laura. Yeah, but we never Mm -hmm. saw her with Laura. Oh, that's true. We never met Laura. Yeah. No, she spoke about Laura, but we never met her. Mm. And then that was really all earlier in the book. Like towards the end of the book, Angelica was barely a character. But I Mm -hmm. liked Angelica and I'm not busting on this choice in the book. I don't think that Angelica was a major character. I think she was very much just a... The sidekick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's true. Like she had much less of a role in the novel than, say, any of Simon's friends. Right. Right. All right, so boy. He's a good boy. I mean, as boys go, he was sweet. What did y'all think of him? Like you, he's fine. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't impressed by him, but I mean, overall, I thought he worked out, so he's just a boy. What would have made him impressive to you? Uh, (laughs) That's how I feel about boys, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I just just thought he was... um, Based off of her previous relationship, obviously he was better, but he was just a boy. Nothing special. Yeah, I thought he was like a good, sweet high school romance and like wasn't a jerk, which is still kind of like a hashtag good enough. Like just not being a jerk, being like the bare minimum. Right. I feel like a lot of times the love interest in YA books is like not a jerk. And that's like their defining characteristic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I feel like Malachi was like, not a jerk. And that was his defining characteristic. (laughs) Like, I'm not impressed that you're okay with taking things slow. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. He wasn't impressive to me either. And, like, I would say that reading this novel, he is the thing that I wanted less of. I feel like his importance had a lot less to do with him and a lot more to do with Imani. Because he was definitely a thing in Amani's life that had nothing to do with making a better life and future for her daughter. He was just like a fun boy to date in high school. And Amani deserved that. Like she was a mom and a student and 
working and all of these kinds of things but she's still like a high schooler and she still deserved a chance to just have like a fine just fine boyfriend yeah i I mean i agree with that um i'm not a big fan of romance and i know why a books usually go over the top with romance and i just felt like he didn't overshadow her strength as a woman so i don't know it just worked for me like it worked for me too i wouldn't have wanted more romance in this novel oh no Mm <laughs> it was like my upper limit. I was like, all right, I'm here for this, I guess. Like, yeah, she gave us just enough. Yeah. To not be grossed out. Just enough. <laughs> it's like a finely tuned recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Literature is cooking, and cooking is magic. <laughs> so the chapters were really short. I thought it worked out perfect. I really flew through the book within a day, a couple hours. Um, it did feel short, I think. I think maybe yeah. it felt short because of, to circle back to the very first thing I said, it is so conversational and lyrical and easy to read and love. And I think it felt like a very short, very quick read. And I think I'm going to reread it. Like, I feel like this is a book I'd like to stay with for some more time. Or listen to the audiobook of? I was just about to say, listen to the audio. Maybe. Maybe this will be the book that uh, that makes audiobooks more tolerable for me. I feel like you're never going to get a better narrator than Elizabeth Acevedo. Yes, I agree. That's our show for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna. Thank you for having me. You can find Anna on Instagram at neverwithoutabook. You can find us at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And can you just take a second and give us a review on iTunes? Happy reading!